The views and opinions we express in this podcast are our own and do not represent the official position of the Youth in Government Program or the YMCA. Hello, friends. You're listening to Yag and Recreation, a podcast that delves into all things related or semi-related to the Washington State Youth Legislature. My name is Anna, but I'm only half the team here, and this all wouldn't be possible without my brilliantly nerdy brother, James. We have a huge passion for this program and have had a lot of different experiences in it. So we're doing this project to share some of that passion with you. Whether you just enjoy listening to us reminisce about YAG, or you're hoping for some tidbits of knowledge to improve your experience in Youth Ledge or find something to share with your delegation, we welcome you. We sure do. It's great to be here again and to be reminiscing about, um, this time, uh, a Youth Ledge session that you and I both uh, attended and have really vivid memories of, right? Yes. This week, we're stepping into the, the Wayback Machine. Um, and traveling back in time 20 years to wow. the session of 2001. That's exciting. Which was um, very exciting. This was um, our third year as advisors. Mm-hmm. So we both had our own groups at session. Mm-hmm. Before we get into session, James, you get to be a history nerd here for a bit and uh, give our listeners a little bit of a uh, Refresher, or maybe introduction to what was the world like in 2001? Sure, sure. I'll try to keep it brief. Some context that would have mattered a lot to students and advisors in 2000, 2001, right? This stretch of time leading up to the 2001 ledge. Obviously, the the big sort of thing politically that had happened was the election of 2000, which was just incredibly chaotic for people who didn't live through it. Oh, yeah. Lots of confusion, lots of arguments. People were paying attention to unusual clauses in the Constitution and in elections law that had really never been given that kind of scrutiny or hadn't in well over a century in a lot of ways. And so in 2001, directly afterwards, my memory is that there was still a lot of argument about what had really happened or what should have happened. Certainly some people feeling that um, George W. Bush's election was illegitimate but also a lot more attention on the fact that the country has really inconsistent election laws and recount laws and all sorts of things. So that was a big deal. One of the things that was kind of funny in that era was that the federal government had too much money. Um, It's about the only time in my life I can remember this being the case. Yeah, what a problem. Where there was this surplus because of the economic boom. Uh, And so um, the election cycle of 2000, and it was still lingering in early 01, although we were starting to see the signs of the recession that was coming. Um, There was still a lot of conversation about how to spend a lot of money people didn't realize we were going to have. Should it be tax cuts? Should it change Social Security? There was all sorts of stuff in the air that was a little different than usual. Um, Another big dispute was over the Kyoto Accords on greenhouse gases. Um, The U.S. had helped negotiate them. But um, the Senate refused to ratify it, and uh, the Bush administration, when it came in, uh, formally withdrew from the Accords in March '01. Um, local politics and local life in Olympia in, as we approached the 2001 session. Um, it's a really funny thing. Our state house is different than the House of Representatives in Congress, which has an odd number. 
our number is even, it's 98. Um, and so that allows a situation that you just never see federally. Um, the state house was split 49-49. It had been in the previous two years. And in the new legislative biennium, it was still 49-49 as of early 2001. Um, a special election eventually changed it. But that meant that politically in our state, there was a lot of negotiation happening because there were two speakers of the house. There were two chairs for every house legislative committee. It was a very unusual partisan um, moment where there had to be a lot of negotiation in order to get anything through the House. And lastly, and the, one of the big reasons we chose the 2001 Youth Ledge is that um, this is the ledge that was disrupted by the Nisqually earthquake. Um, you yes. can read up on, a, on it if you want to know a lot more, but to give you the basic facts, on February 28th of 2001, um, a quake with an epicenter um, relatively close to Olympia did a lot uh, to damage uh, uh, buildings and roadways and all sorts of things around uh, western Washington. The Nisqually quake was a 6.8 magnitude. It was the largest quake in Washington since at least 1946. And, and honestly, it, it may really have been the largest quake since like 1700, as far as we know. It was, it was a big one. Um, one yeah. person died, uh, several hundred people were injured. There was one to $4 billion in damage. Um, and to think more, more hyper locally about Olympia itself, the fourth Avenue bridge was badly damaged. It wasn't open that spring. They ended up replacing it. Um, they had to rebuild the Deschutes Parkway. Um, although by the way, Anna learned that the Deschutes Parkway yeah. was not rebuilt to be earthquake safe. Because that cost isn't too, that delightful. Cost too much money. It broke during the earthquake, and they rebuilt it, knowing that it will break the next time there is an earthquake. Yeah, and of course the Capitol Dome uh, and a lot of structures inside the Capitol were damaged, um, and it hastened the need for a hundred million dollar retrofit that would take place over the following years, um, and it certainly disrupted session life that year, which I'll leave to you. I have my bill book. I actually have my former co-advisor's bill book. And so I get to see her notes in here, which is super fun. Oh, huh. um, and you bringing up the split in the state house. I looked at the photo page because we used to always do a photo page mm -hmm. of the real life counterparts to our student major officers. Mm -hmm. And you're very right. There's two pictures for two co-speakers and two pictures <laughs> for two co-speaker pro tems. It's kind of wild. Um, it's crazy. Yeah. I wonder if we would ever do that, like if there was a tie in our student elections, if we would let that go. Well, I don't know that we actually have anything in our rules of order that dictate how we would handle a tie. So huh. perhaps that would be very interesting. Yeah. And also it highlights a need for us to perhaps <laughs> look into those rules. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so session was at the beginning of May, started May 2nd in Olympia. Um, you know, not, not too different from the schedule we enjoy these days of, you know, committees were, had made them move to Wednesday already. Yeah. Um, we were still in host home, so that's a little different, but, mm -hmm. um, pretty, pretty much the same schedule that students would experience today, except that we used to take a lunch break on Saturday before closing. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, but they only would give us an hour. Yeah, it was not enough time, which is why we scrapped and it in the end, I think. The, and yeah, it was better to finish early and send p 
people out hungry, I guess. Anyway, <laughs> um, we had the opportunity for this episode to um, talk with the program director at the time mm-hmm. who continues to be an advisor. And so we'll get to that in a second um, with all sorts of little tidbits about session. Uh, it was a very well-attended session. These were our booming, booming years. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that we've ever honestly re- fully recovered um, high school numbers since this time in the last 20 years. Yeah. Um, and we also, we still had um, really good buy-in from the local, like real legislative people, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the governor, we always got the governor yes. to speak at session these days and be in photos with our delegations. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know the governor did at the time did come to our alternate location to give a welcoming opening joint speech. Yeah. But not for photos because that was on a separate day. Yeah. And I th- I don't know if this was the beginning of us not necessarily always getting the governor for those or not. I don't remember. I remember uh, Gregoire being there for the most of the time, but I don't I don't remember true. exactly what the pattern was. Yeah. Um we also though um we were able to relocate to Evergreen College. Mm-hmm. to the campus and so the president of the college spoke also at our opening mm-hmm. and then we had i what i think you have determined is possibly our most famous recognizable speaker at our banquet well yeah a pulitzer prize winning um political cartoonist editorial cartoonist david horsey yeah who is great um yeah and yeah normally we were hearing from um uh, a sort of, m- no offense to them, but like a sort of mid-tier public official. Um, that m- my memory always goes to my first governor's banquet, the commissioner of public land. Um, right. Which is great. I mean, it's interesting to hear from those people. But yeah, I think David was like, he he's the sort of guy who I think normally spoke at like big commencements and things like that. And it was, it was kind of fun that he was at banquet that year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think the other thing to really remark on right now, um, your interest, I think, in this year is that this was when the governor's cabinet began. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Which they even, um, in looking through the student newspaper from that year, because I have, I think I have all the editions, um, they were struggling even with what to call themselves, mm-hmm. whether they were the cabinet or the executive team. Mm-hmm. Um, and mid-session, they even kind of restructured themselves Mm -hmm. um so it was the very very beginning um and the students who served on the cabinet were elected rather than appointed which i think is the only time we've done it that way oh no possibly the following year i was gonna say yeah i think that change came when we started electing governors year round so yeah it was a it's a funny funny blip in the life of the cabinet that we had to elect them because otherwise it would they would they'd be picked in april or something <laughs> yeah yeah so i feel pretty confident this year and perhaps the following year they were elected yeah. um one per district yeah. um and so i think that i feel like that's enough of an introduction to then kind of segue into our conversation with michelle um which we recorded over zoom so the sound quality is going to be a little different mm-hmm. um but we'll We'll let the listeners get into that, and then we'll we'll be back with uh, some reflections, I think, on what we said. Mm-hmm. Thanks for joining us. My first question for you is, who are you and what have you done? I'm Michelle Roberts Gentry. In terms of youth and government, I was doing the math, and yep, it is definitely um, my 30th year. 92 was my first session that I went to. Um, 
So that's old. I'm old. (laughs) (laughs) We're all old, Michelle, now. (laughs) We were at least alive then. Right. I know. I know. I was thinking that through too. I'm like, well, at least there's that. Like, at least they were alive when I did my first session. Um, So I've done that. I was um, here in Port Angeles at the start. And I remember thinking after that first session, and I was only the bus driver that first session that I went to in 92. And I remember walking out of the Capitol thinking, all of these kids are smarter than I am. (laughs) (laughs) And I still think that today when I go to session and watch the kids do what they do and I'm leaving the Capitol and I'm always just in awe of how brilliant the kids are, honestly. Uh, It's one of the things that keeps me coming back year after year. So, So I was here in Port Angeles and then... Let's see. I got married and went, I moved to Seattle and I was the program director for youth and government that year. And at the time we had an executive director and a program director that was over youth and government and a different program director that was over uh, mock trial. Right. So, um, and that's actually the year that we're talking about today, um, that 2000, 2001 year. And um, so then I I did that in Seattle for a bit. And then I came back to Port Angeles and I was um, not working at all, but um, jumped back in with youth and government here with Ken and Heidi Simpson, who are alum of the program. And, um, and then we just stayed in it. And now Ken and Heidi's son, Nick is an advisor for our delegation. So he's an advisor for my kids. I was his advisor now he's advisor. <laughs> it's pretty cool I mean it's that, very cool and so you've always just been an advisor never a delegate correct okay yeah I was not um part of that crowd when I was in high school um I, I we were rural we lived out of town and so mm. thing that happened in the evenings wasn't a thing for us um, until much later when I actually could drive. So I didn't, I knew about youth and government. Um, our delegation in those years in Port Angeles were, was huge. Like we had 50 and 75 member delegations and we had governors and, um, and it was a very thriving program at that point. So I knew about it, but I just didn't ever get to participate in it. Okay. Cool. Well, thank you for the introduction. Last episode, we looked through Linda Medcalf's bill book from her senior year of high school. Oh yeah. Um, in 1962. And it was really fun to think about who she was as a delegate and see her handwritten notes and the things she worked on back then. Um, obviously we didn't know her. Um, and not, uh, not at the time, not at the time, <laughs> uh, but I think for me, <laughs> and I don't know if it's the same for James, but this year we're going to talk about 2001 is the first year I feel like I really got to know Linda as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just wondered if you have any fun stories since this is the year that you worked with her like directly for a whole year. Yeah, so um, we we did work together a lot that year. And um, one, she was so kind of professional and almost hard hitting in her dealings with folks. Um, but also super funny. Oh my goodness. And 
bordering sometimes on inappropriate. Yes. But also still <laughs> super funny. So I, Anna, you may have to edit this part out, sure. but um, the funniest thing about her was that while we were doing all of that, she was also getting her bartender's license. Oh my gosh, really? A mixology or what? I don't Why know. Why not? <laughs> she she was being licensed to do that and i just thought what a funny juxtaposition because coming from the y world like mm. in the y world you just don't mix programming and alcohol and that kind of thing um, so here was this person who you know was like the director and he also going to be a bartender uh, so i love that that is amazing yes. pretty funny story <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's great. I'm not editing that out. That's staying. Okay. Um, <laughs> I decree it. I think she would want it that way. Yeah, um, Agreed. So, yes. So um, I have a quote from the folder from the 60th session celebration from Linda. Um, Cause she started in like 1999, 2000. And she says her, my years were marked mainly with dreams of a normal session. We started off with a great one, following in Nora's very capable footsteps. Then there was the earthquake and the scramble to find venue. The Evergreen State College generously allowed us to use their campus, which made for some very interesting logistical challenges. For example, somehow we neglected to mention to Evergreen Security that the governor's entourage would be arriving and they were stopped. Uh, we're not sure how many students found the nude beach, Conversations between Evergreen students and youth legislature delegates provided new and interesting debates for our participants, et cetera. Um, and so that's the year we're talking about tonight, um, mm -hmm. full of all sorts of fun and excitement. Um, I know you have a story about the nude beach, but not from that year. Correct, yes. <laughs> I, was, I was suitably frightened about the nude beach, like truly, truly high on my list of things to be worried about uh, that particular year at Evergreen. I don't feel like anyone did find it. I hope not. Um, but, <laughs> but I'm going to let I'm going to let James take it away now. Okay, sure. Um, Michelle, uh, as we've already sort of mentioned in some of our email exchanges before the interview, uh, the 2001 ledge was a year where there was a lot of um, first things or things that we were doing in kind of a new way. Um, I don't know if you want me to give you a list or if you've already kind of got in your head a couple of things that you'd like to talk about. Well, we'd just love to hear you reflect a little on how the program was changing with new things coming on board that year. Right. So the program had been under the direction of Nora for um, quite some time and Nora was amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and kind of all I knew as far as youth and government, but I was excited and Linda was excited too, I think, to bring some um, different things to the program. So one of those things was the eighth grade program um, that Erica sort of headed up. So when she got to Aki Kurosi, she's like, hey, we got to get the middle schoolers involved with this. And up until then, the only real eighth grade interaction was Olympia eighth graders would come in on the first day of session. Uh, for committees and they would be pages during committee because that's such a hard um, thing to fill with our freshmen. So uh, eighth grade was gonna be new that year. Let's see, what else, James? So the list of things, and some of these you might tell us, no, you guys don't remember, right? This wasn't new, but our, our memory is that that was the first year the governor had a formal cabinet. 
Uh, yes. And maybe even that was the first year that there were MO meetings, like regular sort of scheduled ones. We're not sure about that, I don't think. Um, it did start that year. We really mm-hmm. um, made an effort to meet with the MOs, but but we still hadn't made the full switch to a full year of service, you know, so up until then, you know, we would videotape their speeches. And then if you remember the videotape would travel around the state (laughs) and then we would do voting. And then, so it wasn't, wasn't until maybe March or April that we would know who the governor was and who, you know, we knew who the major officers was going to be, but we didn't know who the governor was. And, and then they would take office in session in May so it was right around this time and it was really i think it came from talking with the students that we decided to make the shift and start to do voting um at session and so then the students would serve for a full year in their major officer positions um but we we really did make an effort to bring them in um to the program committee level and really spend time with the adults that were in the room um, making it a much more student-led program. Yeah, yeah. As the guy who's um, invested in the governor and the governor's office these days, um, I have my own sort of vague memories of the cabinet coming into existence, but I wasn't at all connected to that side of the program then. Do you remember much about like what the, the sort of vision was or was there much conversation about how we thought that would look or was it really just sort of in the hands of, of the governor then to sort of decide how it looked? Well, it was in the hands of the governor. Um, and I think to some degree it still is, you know, each governor mm. kind of has their own idea how they're going to use their cabinet. But um, we were looking for more leadership opportunities. And again, working with the students and, and pushing to make it a more student-led program in, in the off season. And then that's also where the change in student leadership came from. So um, you probably remember that um, leadership training was the day before session. Um, in fact, yes, here's a, here's a funny part of that. So the year that I got married in 2000, so we got married on Monday um, before youth and government, because I wanted to get married on May Day and youth and government started on May 3rd, right? So my husband, yes, did spend his honeymoon at government. Uh, what better place, Michelle? I can't think of it. I think that's delightful. There's a dance, people dress up. It's great. I know. It was like a whole party. Um, just, yeah, don't dance with your husband who looks like a teenager because he's trouble. saying somebody might bring it up in the advisor meeting. They might. They did. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, <laughs> But so we got married on Monday and then Tuesday, my mom had to, because I was sort of honeymooning, my mom ran the leadership students down to Olympia to the camp, Ooh. Camp Solomon Hector. Solomon, Solomon Schechter. Yes. Yes. Um, to do that. And then I drove the rest of the kids down on the second day of my honeymoon. Mm-hmm. Nice. Oh my right. um, but it's great. But then that ne- the next year we changed it so that that we'd have the students overnight we'd have a little more time with them we brought in some experts i do believe both of you were on that panel of experts 
I was there, she but knows. I was not an expert. <laughs> you were about the only people there, Michelle. We like when we look back, it was like it was, it was the two three nights. of us, and like <laughs> it was two nights. Also, we came yes. on Friday and, and we left Brian, on Sunday and that was morning. It? Was there four four advisors basically? I feel like we had one more. I mean, I know the both of you were there. Yeah. Um, and I also we didn't have the huge number of student leaders that we do now yeah. you know we were really dealing with the the major officers and the chairs and vice chairs and that was really all that we had i know the rostrum students were there because i definitely know i was in a room with them looking at them <laughs> saying do you know what you do i don't know what you do let's figure out what you do right um and that was part of the reason why we did this right yeah. you know to yeah to give them a little more time to feel stronger about it. And the end result is that the students were more prepared and um, had a bigger voice in, in what we did moving forward. So that was that was new that year. Um, There's the one we haven't touched on is the whole lobbyist debacle, the interest groups debacle. and the lobbyist reception craziness. It was, it was fun. <laughs> which also was separating the banquet from the ball. Oh, that's right. Right. Um, but that was all kind of tied together. The lobbyists were very involved in like, they had to pick interest groups and they had to host a reception. Yeah. I, I don't think that we did that. in was that 2001? It was. Okay. Wait, now I'm having this vision of it at the, <laughs> yeah. The booths uh, of kids screaming. It, it, it was called Kavanaugh's at the time, but now it's, well, now it's not hotel RL even anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You were biting off so much that year. It, yeah. Um, and I mean, I knew about the program, but the log logistics behind it, um, even in a normal year, I would have still been getting my feet under me. And then, you know, the whole point of this conversation that we haven't gotten to yet is that in the midst of learning all of that, we had an earthquake. We did. Yeah. We did. Um, which brought about some changes. And, you know, the, the reality is that sometimes you're forced, forced into a change that you keep, you know, yeah. mm -hmm. you, you do something and you're like, oh, wait, maybe we should be doing it this way all the time, mm -hmm. even though we hadn't thought of it until this thing forced us to, kind of like the pandemic. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think we should jump to that. Yeah. Our thematic sort of interest in this episode is that we see this as a year where in a lot of ways we were trying to sort of problem solve and overcome challenges. You at a state level were, we as advisors were. Um, I mean, let's start with the earthquake and then we can we can bring up a couple of the other challenges that were kind of big ones that year that we made it through. Um, okay, so you asked me about funny stories about Linda. Um, and I waited to tell the story about how we handled the earthquake in the yeah. office. Yeah, Linda and I were in the office in Olympia. Um, at the time, the office was in the second story of what had been an apartment complex. And we're about a, a, a block, a full city block away from campus, but only about 12 miles from the epicenter of the earthquake. So you know, we're sitting in the office and all of a sudden I hear things crashing and I think Linda has fallen down. Um, <laughs> oh no. Because what else would be crashing? Right. And, and literally every last thing in our office came off a shelf, came off a desk and onto the floor. 
And we, in all the brilliance of never having been in an earthquake, ran outside. Oh, no. Of course. No hiding under a desk. No, none of that. Ran outside <laughs> and down the stairs. Oh, no. Oh, no. Which, you know, is not what you're supposed to do. Um, <laughs> no. Nope. Uh, but almost everybody did it. So there's all of us in this office now complex and we're out in the parking lot and the ground because olympia is built on mud flats so the ground is swaying the earthquake has stopped and the ground oh. is swaying and there are alarms going off everywhere because we're close enough to the um the government buildings you know there's like uh office buildings there right there and er so there's alarms going off everywhere the traffic is gridlocked there are car alarms going off we're all standing out and kind of looking at each other like what in the world just happened um and so we finally feel like we can go back into the building and start looking at the mess of things and we're i mean immediately we linda and i are like uh what about session hmm. um yep what about session? And then we just said, okay, we're just gonna, we're gonna tip over tip things back upright and go home as we're just kind of desolately picking things up and putting them back on desks and poking around and our computers are broken and all of that, that key in our mind was what about session? Um, and because I was in charge of host homes, I was like, what about host homes? <laughs> uh, oh. <laughs> But, but yeah, right away, we were just worried about what we do for session. And then, you know, as the news comes for days and days, we were aware that the Capitol is closed and, you know, part of the marble had come off in the, I think it was in the house. And um, it was obvious that session was not going to be held at the Capitol, but not for one minute did we think, oh, we should cancel session this year. I don't, right. we, there was never even a conversation about Oh, we just won't do it. People mm -hmm. want, you know, it, that it, we just started looking. Um, but in the end, Evergreen came through. Um, man, what a day that was. Linda called <laughs> and I was still in Seattle and she called and she's like, we got Evergreen. Like, ah, oh, I'll be there in an hour. <laughs> nice. Yeah, because at the time of year when the earthquake happened, the end of February, people must have just turned in their paperwork. Like yeah. bills were coming in, registrations were coming in. Yeah. Right. And it was one of the highest number of participants ever. Yeah. Yes. I have in my notes, I uh, counted on the rosters. There were 442 delegates and that didn't include the eighth graders. <gasps> right. Delegates. High school age delegates. And those were times. Um, yeah. So it was a lot of people. Yeah. That's a lot of host home routes. <laughs> right. <laughs> so host, hosting was going to be a problem. And mm -hmm. People who don't know we used to put uh, you know all of the students who came to olympia into host homes two or three students to a home sometimes five or seven depending on who was hosting however many homes in the olympia area were damaged and a lot of people said i can't host anybody because we're living in one bedroom that's not damaged in our home or i don't have a kitchen and i won't have a kitchen until you know whatever, June. Right. Um, so uh, that was a scramble and it was um, a lot of desperate 
calls on my part. And literally the night before session, I was still calling. Bob Hockington and his crew from Aberdeen had to stay in a hotel. Okay. Uh, uh, not all of them, but there were there were a group of kids that we just couldn't find housing for. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, I knew Bob, and he was willing to roll with that and have that be okay. But um, but that was really the start of when we started shifting to hotels, and then from that point. Um, you know, some delegations would just choose to stay in hotels and some would stay in host homes. And then um, the ratio just kind of kept changing until we switched to where mm. we are, where we're all in hotels. So, right. Yeah. Do you remember, like you were talking about how exciting it was to hear that you had gotten Evergreen. Do you remember how much you had to sort of reimagine Ledge to fit it into Evergreen? Or was it kind of a situation where you could just say, yeah, we've already got our schedule. We know where everything is and we're just going to replace capital room names with names at Evergreen. Was it, was it kind of an easy fit? Um, it was much easier than some of the other venues that we had looked at. I mean, we really looked at every venue in a 30 mile radius from Olympia to yeah. try to find a place. The fairgrounds was another place that we looked at. Oh, sure. Gosh, every that would have been line. different. Moose Lodge, Elks Building, sure. whatever. Anybody who had a building, <laughs> we were looking at it. Okay, why not? So Evergreen really was a relatively easy fit in. And they were they were very gracious with their space and really just, um, so having large lecture, lecture halls, um, because those were the two biggest things, the House and the Senate. And where do you, where do you put that many kids at once? Yeah. Uh, but because they had large lecture lecture halls, that made that easier. And then it was just a matter of fitting in some of the um, smaller parts of the program into other spaces. Of course, uh, we didn't have a space to have a ball, right. um, you know, and because Evergreen had been one of our ball locations. Oh, um, I don't think I ever knew that. Yeah, I, I I had gone to at least two balls at Evergreen. Oh. Um, but because we were using the space that had been used for balls as a chamber, that right. didn't get to happen. Um, and so once we found a place for a session, then it was the hunt for um, for a, a ball. And that's how we ended up at the, at the time, brand new, mm. um, YMCA. Now I yeah. can't think of the name Briggs. of that Y. It's Briggs. Briggs. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I have a question about that actually, because the schedule, I looked at it and it's basically identical from what was printed in the bill book to what was printed in the addendum, which I assume you printed the bill book post earthquake, but pre knowing that Evergreen was the place, but Briggs was in there and the, the, the banquet was already on Thursday. So was the splitting of the banquet and the ball a decision made ahead of time before the earthquake or was the earthquake the reason the banquet and ball got split the the earthquake was the reason oh okay got split and I can't remember I honestly don't remember why that was it had something to do with just changing spaces over right well we couldn't we couldn't have had a banquet at the y no and so probably that was it is like doing a banquet somewhere and then everybody driving to the Y on the, on the same night would have been too much. Yeah. A lot of movement. Yeah. Right. A lot of the history we've looked up 
to um, study up for this episode is pulled out of the capital capers. And there definitely was mention of the dance being at the Y, um, yeah. but that it was still fun, um, but it was really hot. It was, yeah. Um, dance floor is always hot. Those kids, uh, yeah. they're always sweating. And... Well, and that was, that was in the days. Okay, so dances have changed, right? Because now we can see everything that happens um from the balconies because we yes. do it at the capitol and at that at that time we we didn't do that we were either at the red lion or evergreen or wherever and as advisors we would just have to go wading into the big mosh pit that was the dance floor and and i always had to say things like put your shirt back on right <laughs> you'd see like some shirtless dude just popping above the crowd you know dancing you'd realize ah oh, someone's got to go <laughs> gotta yeah, tell that kid to put his clothes back on <laughs> i was not allowed to have that job because well, i was too young, young. right i was i wasn't allowed in the room with the dance floor at the y Oh, I had to stay in the hallway. Well, okay. And so that is another thing that came out. Well, I don't know if it had to do with the earthquake, but it, that year we really did start talking about appropriate positions for alum and new advisors and where they should be. And there were advisors that were really maybe not up to the maturity level that we needed them to be. Mm-hmm. probably we didn't think about that until that session and then we we're like oh well that didn't go super well did it and that's when we started kind of separating the younger folks yes and having alum come and help out with things like the info table and um you know I think we have a pretty good setup now but um that year was definitely when that really started part of the drama there was an advisor a young advisor overstepping some boundaries in the chamber during debates um which i'm sure you remember <laughs> right because yeah he uh he spent some time with me after that and and there was actually some kerfuffle after session and a long letter and he he spent some time with me yes you, you assigned him to me Yep. I think you you should be aware I am six months younger than him. Why are you calling Michelle out? You were years years more mature. Thank you. You were more capable of handling that scenario. Also, I didn't really have a job. I definitely trained the roster at training on the roster. I am I was listed as the AG lead. And I'm not sure why, but I don't remember ever talking with the AGs. Well, again, Anna, at that time the AGs didn't they didn't do much. Yeah. You know, I was barely aware of the AG's office at the time and certainly not enough to give them any support or help. Mm-hmm. As a separate component of the podcast about 2001, um, we're going to go into some more detail, um, trying to untangle some of the the impeachment saga that was not just about impeachment, but it came to be about so many more things than that. Um, But it would be silly for us not to see if you have a memory or two of, was that something that you felt like took up a lot of your time and energy at the state level? Was it something that really was being handled more at the sort of level of advisors and student leaders? Like how did, because that will hopefully forever be the last time the words impeachment um, really are a problem for us since they're written out of the rules now. Um, what's your memory of what that was like from the, from the state's 
level of, of engagement? Um, well, not a lot. We didn't do from the state level. We didn't do a lot with it. Mm -hmm. I remember going to talk to the leader of that house mm -hmm. and, and asking the question, do you have this? Do you, you know, are you under control? Because kind of simultaneous to that is when we had the evergreen students engaging the evergreen college students engaging with our students in inappropriate ways um <laughs> meaning that they were offering them drugs not anything right you know, right like um but so i i mean honestly from the state level i was just like listen do you have this because <laughs> i have to go deal with <laughs> because, because high school juniors thing. getting joints from people on the quad <laughs> right and also the um photographer got lost oh, no. um, th so there were there were just some other logistical mm -hmm. things from being out on the evergreen college campus that we never would have dealt with on the capitol campus and so no from a state level we weren't really um dug into that too much and and frankly linda was more involved than i was okay yeah okay. Um, so yeah that, that whole situation, though, is where I have kind of surmised that we started having major officer meetings at session, like a daily check-in with the MO team together with like, how are things going for you all and interconnected? How are things going? Um, that I've pieced together from newspaper articles in the Capitol Capers. Um, that, so possibly it was something where the student leaders also kind of took more of an interest in, I don't know. It's hard to say. <laughs> it's hard to say. Right. I'm trusting well, high school age journalists to inform me 20 years later. I mean, <laughs> what have we got but the capers? It's, I know. It's the right. I love the capers. We've asked you a whole bunch of like logistical questions and all these things, Michelle, but do you have like a fun little memory or two or like a, some sort of like happy little moment or, you know, whatever from session that you're, could be at session, could be the stuff sort of around session if there's something, but like just something that you, when you think about 2001, you think, oh yeah, that's when that happened. Um, well, honestly, I believe that is the year that red, red vines became a thing. Oh, you know, I think you're right. Yeah. Um, and, and I also remember kind of living on red vines. Not that I don't still do that, but, <laughs> um, but I remember distinctly sending Bryant, who was yeah. there as a student helper. Yeah. to please go get me some licorice <laughs> <laughs> and he this did have been at session that sounds at right session. I mean, at evergreen yeah i have already told on the podcast my memory of you thieving my candy you know i was a willing participant but still i think you were really in need of sugar just to sort of make it through 2001 yeah, I think you may be getting uh, the idea that I, that's a coping mechanism of, of sorts for me. Um, but, but it is, I believe, when, when Red, Red Vines became kind of a staple deal. They're uh, iconic now. Like, well, yes. They're yes. mandatory. We're going to yeah. have to figure out a, a post-pandemic way of distributing health and safety-wise licorice to students. Because they can't just stick their meaty paws in the bucket of red I mean, vines and come out with a handful. What, maybe they can, because like, let's face it, these kids are going to be a little gross. Like That's they're true. teenagers. <laughs> we can't stop it. I mean, we made it through swine flu and we bird did. flu. And That's true. It was fine. Everybody wash your hands. I remember, <laughs> remember those announcements from the rostrum every day. Oh, yeah. Every day. 
Oh. I still walk around waving my hands like this you know, to dry them off because we all got hand sanitizer. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, <sighs> thank you so much for agreeing to talk with us today. It was really fun. Uh, my pleasure. I love talking about youth and government and especially with the two of you. Oh, that's Thank nice. you. That's nice. Thanks to Michelle for nerding out about the 2001 session with James and I. It was a blast. Since recording this episode, we've realized there's just too much to say about 2001 to fit into a single episode. So you'll have to come back next time to hear James and I reflect on our talk with Michelle and get into the gritty details of the attempted impeachment at the 54th session. Thank you for listening to this episode of Yag and Recreation, an Up Till 2 Productions podcast. Yag and Recreation is co-written and co-hosted by my sister, Anna Hazen, and by me, James Rosenzweig, and edited solely by the multi-talented Anna Hazen. Thanks also go to Tainum Fotheringo, our program and coolness consultant, to Jeff Hazen for composing and recording our introductory music and providing on-call technical support, and to Ben and Sam Hazen for additional incidental music and fully artist work. We'll see you next week. And that's all for today.